0: I try to refrain from plugging too often the podcasts that Ben Payne and I do each week, but I am going to say that all three of this morning scripture readings are so full of so many dimensions and questions. Listen to the podcast and you'll get to hear all about Adam and Eve and what the heck Paul was saying in the second reading, because I'm going to focus on the third reading the temptations that Jesus faced. But the other two readings, again, rich with meaning. So, this comes very, very early in the Gospel of Matthew. It's only the, really the second public event of Jesus as an adult. The first being his baptism, as the reading starts with. And so, in many ways, it's still the prologue for what Jesus' ministry is going to be about. It's a summary in many ways of what Jesus' ministry is going to be about. And it's interesting in that in the Gospel of Mark, it doesn't have any details about the temptations that Jesus faces. But Matthew now has these three particular temptations. And if we look at those in the context of the rest of the Gospel, we can understand why. Because each temptation has to do with a major event, a major miracle that's going to unfold as we continue to read through the Gospel of Matthew. So, Jesus has been out in the wilderness for 40 days. Jesus is hungry, and the tempter says, hey, make some bread from stones. Wouldn't that be a great idea? Go ahead and go for it. Now, one of the things we have to remember is that each of these temptations were real to Jesus. Otherwise, they'd be just sort of meaningless moments. It would be slam dunks for Jesus. But Jesus in his humanity really was hungry and really could have used some bread. And so the tempter says, hey, make some bread. You'll be able to do that. And Jesus says, no, not yet. I mean, it would have been great if Jesus could have made some bread from those stones near him, but then from from then on, it would be like every day, you need a fresh brick to make a fresh loaf. And that's not what this was about. Instead, this was a foreshadowing, this was a prediction of how a few chapters in to the the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus was going to be able to feed thousands from just a couple loaves of bread. He was able to do what we now call the multiplication of the loaves. So we sort of have this little, hey, pay attention to this moment because Jesus feeding all those hungry people tells us a tremendous amount about who God is and who we are in relation to God. And then the next temptation about being thrown from the pinnacle of the temple and the angels will catch you. Now, this is not some marvelous superhero moment that the tempter wants to see happen. This is, even though it would look that way. I mean, the The temple was constantly crowded. There were constantly people going in and out. It was the major building in that region of the world. All sorts of things happened there, even beyond worship. And so if Jesus were to throw himself off the top of the temple and angels were to catch him, that would have made all the headlines. It would have spread very quickly. But, as you may remember, Jesus does die near the end of the gospel. And it certainly had to be at least for a moment tempting to Jesus to avoid the crucifixion by exercising this miraculous moment. By throwing himself off the temple and either dying and getting it over with or having the angels grab him and keeping him from being injured at that moment. That had to be tempting since he had some sense of how much suffering he'd be experiencing in about a year. But Jesus said, no, I'm not going to fall for that temptation, pardon the pun. And that we know that this is a foreshadowing. This is almost a prediction of how Jesus' story is going to end up. He is going to end up dying. And dying near the temple. And then the last one, about Being made king of the world, top of the world, in charge of everything. All the kingdoms of the earth and all their splendor is offered to Jesus. This is a different way of Jesus being all over the world than through resurrection. And how many of us have not been tempted to say, if I were in charge of everything, I could fix this whether it was some very small activity with a couple friends or the whole wide world. And certainly Jesus had the wisdom and the ability to fix an awful lot if he was in charge of the whole wide world as some kind of king. But he'd still be dealing with human free will. He couldn't force anyone to behave. He couldn't force people to feed the hungry and to take care of the homeless. He couldn't force that. And so ultimately he would fall short of his ideals of making the world a better place of God's ideals of making the world a better place but by by Jesus' willingness to go through death and then resurrection now Jesus can affect every one of us all of humanity all of creation for thousands and thousands of years to make the world a better place The reach that Jesus has now is so much more than he would have had some 2,000 years ago as king of the world. So this was a real temptation. This was something that Jesus had to at least think about for a moment. But thank God, Jesus said no. So each of these temptations is real. Each of these temptations are core to who Jesus is, And the mission of Christ, but also they apply to us. Because all of us, every human being, is tempted over and over to exercise a quick fix, to think we know a better way of doing something, and sometimes we're right, to not doing what God dreams of, but instead what we dream of. And so This set of temptations is not just an explanation or a demonstration of how faithful Jesus was and how Jesus understood himself to be as he walked this earth as a human, but it's also to help us understand how we are called to walk this earth as humans. That we need to pay attention to God and God's dreams for the world, God's desires for our lives. Otherwise, we'll get so off track so quickly. We may think that if we were king or queen of the world, that we could fix everything. But if Jesus couldn't, we can't either. If we're in charge of everything, it's only going to be limited by what we can do, what we can think of, what we can dream of. But if instead we rely on the dreams of God, then God's dreams can come true. God's desires for the world have a chance of being made real. And we'll never be able to do it on our own. Instead, we need thousands and thousands and thousands of other people to help with that task, to work together on these things. Each one of us having our own little piece of God's dream, the little piece that we are called to live out in cooperation and connection with others and always with a connection with God. Otherwise, those temptations to do it our own way, to do it the tempter's way, are just too strong. And life will be less than it could be. Our personal lives and the lives of the entire world, even all of creation. And so when we think about the 40 days of Lent, this season of Lent, this is a time to help us get back to really listening to God. Listening to God so that God's dreams become our dreams. So that God's priorities become our priorities. And there's no predictable set way of that happening or what they'll turn out to be. We have to truly be open to the unexpected. We have to truly be open to God using us in ways that we can't predict and still saying yes to that. The 40 days of Lent gives us a time to perhaps step back from busy lives, from lots of demands, and start to say yes to time with God, to listening to God, to just hanging out with God, so that we can be nourished and formed and strengthened to do the work that God gives us to do each day. And each day could very well be a different task. Because we are called to love, and to love effectively, it has to be right now, in the here and now, not in the far-off future and not yesterday. We are called now to be the best Christians we can be, to spend Lent loving God, others, ourselves, the best we can. We are called now to avoid the temptations of the quick fix, of making our own priorities first and instead setting God before all else in our lives. Forty days, that's not so long. Hopefully we can do it in that time and last the rest of our lives. But if we fail, we get to try again new each day because that's how much God loves us. God wants us to succeed. God wants us to feel loved. God wants us to love others. Knowing we won't do it perfectly. But each day, Each day we get a fresh start. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen.